It is great to be with you uh, today. Stephen mentioned earlier on that in a couple of weeks, and then again on the 12th of June, there are opportunities for our whole church family, those from this gathering and from other gatherings, to be together. And today, and what I'm going to be sharing, is, is something of a sort of, hopefully, a launch pad into those. Um, and I want to start today by asking this question. I want to start by asking, what kind of person do you need to be to do the things that are important for you to do? What kind of person do you need to be to do the things that are important to do? Some tasks, some things that are important to be done require uh, skills and training. Uh, When someone comes to fix my boiler or rewire my house or sort out some plumbing, it's a lot nicer if they're friendly and smiley, but ultimately I don't really care. I just want to know that they can do the job. What kind of person they are doesn't matter as much. Obviously, they need to be honest and they need to have upright dealings, but ultimately it's the skills I'm interested in. Some things that we that we want to that, that are important for us to do require time and experience and practice. I've just spent the week sailing, and the first time I got on a boat, I didn't know what I was doing. Not this week, but years ago when I first got on a boat. Um, but over time, I've learnt and I've developed, and I've, I've I've got better. It takes patience. It takes practice. For some things that are important for us to do, we need the right tools. I remember a time when I went to visit my parents. My parents are teetotal, and uh, someone had given them a bottle of wine, and they knew that I might enjoy some wine with Christmas dinner. And so they presented it to me, and I said, great, I'll go and get the corkscrew. And they went, ooh. And it ended up being a rather messy 20 minutes with all of my mum's power tools trying to (laughs) rip a cork out. And then we ended up having to sieve it through and decant it into all these different size containers that they had to try and get all the little bits of floating cork out. Um, And it was a lovely Christmas dinner. But some things that we need to do in life, some things that are important, it's not about the skills, it's not about the time, it's not about the tools. Some things, it's about who we are. Not just what we can do, but who we are. So what kind of person do you need to be to do the things that are important for you to do? One thing we need to think about is, well, what are the things that are important for you to do? It might be uh, your job. It might be your home life or your family. It might be um, certain sort of projects or things you're working on, certain dreams that you have that you want to see fulfilled and brought to life. Today, um, I want to be thinking about a specific thing that we are, that is important for us to do. And to do that, um, I want to take us to the very last words that Jesus is recorded as saying in the book of Matthew. But before that, because this is sort of just after the Easter story. So the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been celebrating Easter here, and we've been considering what it means for us to be restored by Jesus as a result of his death, dying in our place, and as a result of him bursting forth from that grave into life that we might know eternal, vibrant life, starting not just when we die, but starting right here, right now. But what came after that? Because for those disciples, those friends of Jesus who were close to him and who lived through that with him, it was a deeply confusing time. And at the beginning of the passage we're going to look at today, we find those disciples on a mountain, a mountain where Jesus has taken them to go, and they are confused. 
They've spent three years following Jesus and hearing him teach and being sent out to teach and seeing him cast out demons and being sent to do the same thing and him healing people and then them being sent to do other things. And then he's died and risen again and they're thinking, what does that mean? This is new, this is different. And Jesus obviously has told them to go to a mountain. And then we read these words in Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What kind of person do we need to be to do the things that are important for us to do? What are some of the things that are important for us to do? Well, the part of this passage that gets the most attention and airtime uh, in churches and in services and sermons and in books is, is, is this bit, the bit in pink the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That is, the, that is something that we as Christians are called to do. Not just leaving it to the professionals or the organizations or the, the whole church programs and ministries, but each one of us as disciples to go and seek to make disciples of other people. To say, Jesus is my master, and I am his disciple, and I believe that he wants to be your master, and that he is worthy of you becoming his disciple. Just like Stuart said, Jesus doesn't only want to save those of us who are in this building. He wants to save so many more than that. He wants more and more and more people to be his disciples. That is the task. What kind of people do we need to be? I want to focus actually less on the words in pink today, and instead on these words, the words in green, which speak less about the commission and more about the commissioner, the great commissioner, the one who it is who sends us. Because in these words, I think he is trying to instill not just a command and a set of tools and techniques and things that we can practice, though that is there, and that will be the focus for us in two weeks' time on the 8th and then again on the 12th to get, to get real and to get serious about this and to think, what tools do I need? What things do I need to learn in order to be able to go and make a disciple, to baptize someone, to teach them to follow Jesus more faithfully? But today we start with the kinds of people he calls us to be. Before we come to those words in green, though, what about those words in white? What kinds of people is it that Jesus speaks to? What kinds of people is it who he calls? Well, there are 11 disciples, no longer 12. Judas is no more. Judas, full of regret, has taken his own life. And there are 11 now. And we see that all of them worship him, but some doubt it. Where are you on this spectrum today? This spectrum from worshiping Jesus with passion and exuberance through to doubt and questions and confusions and why this, why that, why COVID, why Ukraine, why my family, why all of these difficult things, why? 
Where are you? Where, where are you on this spectrum today? We've come here today, or we're joining online today to worship Jesus. That doesn't mean that we won't have any questions or doubts or confusions or mystery about the whole thing. Notice, though, what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't start by saying, well, if there's doubt in the room, then let's focus on the doubts for a while. Let's do a, let's do a 12-week course to try and work out so that we've got all of our questions solved. We've got all of our problems dealt with. We've got all of the mysteries uh, ticked off our list. And then once we've got everything certain, when we're clear on every single piece of Christian doctrine, sure about every single world issue that's going on, then let's go and start seeking to grow the movement and make disciples. He doesn't do that. He hears their worship. He hears their doubts. And then he gives them an instruction. But he doesn't start with the instruction. What kind of person do you need to be to do this thing that is important for you to do? If you're a follower of Jesus, then this is what we're called to. This is part of the deal is that we share what we have received. And if you're here or watching online and thinking, well, I haven't made that commitment, then I hope that in what I'm about to share, you will see something of the reason why it is that those of us who do follow Jesus do so. Because it gives a reason not just to share the faith that we have, but to receive it in the first place. What kind of person is it that Jesus is wanting to shape us to be? Two things I want to share. The first is this. He wants us to be confident people. To be people who are confident in Jesus. He doesn't start by saying, go and make disciples. He starts by filling them with courage. By filling them with boldness. By filling them with inspiration and awe. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. These disciples needed to hear that. Very shortly before this, they had seen this man nailed to a cross, executed and killed in the most gruesome and disgusting of ways. He was made a spectacle. He was mocked. He was beaten. No wonder they might need to hear that he still has authority. Because in fact, in those moments when it looked like he had been defeated, when it looked like everything that, that was happening to him showed that he had no authority, had no control, had no power, it was all stripped and beaten and whipped and nailed out of him. No. In that moment, as he died, he was taking authority over our own sin. He was saying, I will take that so you need carry it no longer. He was demonstrating the authority that he did have to earn our forgiveness so that we might stand before holy God, fearless and blameless. Far from losing his authority, he was demonstrating it. And then as that tomb went from being filled with his body to being empty, as he rose again, he demonstrates that he has authority even over life and death. That even death could not hold him back. That 
is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian, to know that Jesus has authority over every mistake you will make to forgive it and over even your death. That whether that is a long way in the future or whether that is just around the corner, Jesus has authority there as well. What does he say? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In heaven where he was about to go and in earth where he was leaving the disciples to stay and to fulfill this commission of making disciples. All authority in every place, over every situation, over every issue going on in the world, where the world is in confusion about so many things and where things are shifting so quickly about what do we think about this and what do we believe about that now and, and, and things seem to be accelerating faster and faster and faster and it is really hard to keep up with what's going on and with what's politically correct and what's not anymore. With, with, with all of these things, it is so difficult and Jesus has authority over all of it with Ukraine, with the pandemic, with all of the horrible, awful things that are, are happening and have happened, and all of the things that go along with that, Jesus is not wrong-footed by it. Jesus is not surprised by it. Jesus doesn't get dethroned by those things. All authority rests with him. That is a reason to be confident in him. Therefore, we can go. He doesn't just send these disciples out and say, go make some disciples for me. He reminds them who it is that is commissioning them, reminds them of the power and the authority he has, and he says, go in my name. And that is why 2,000 years later, billions and billions and billions of people have come to sit under that authority as well. That is why the Christian movement is still growing at a faster rate in our world than it ever has before. Maybe not in the part of the world where we live, but Jesus' authority has not stopped. It has not gone away. It is there. And then he gives them this command, go and make disciples. But then he says something else. He doesn't start with the command and he doesn't finish with the command because he finishes with this and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He wants people not only to be confident in him but to be dependent on him. See, confidence is saying, God, I know that you are big and you are powerful but you're over there. Now I'm gonna go and try and do this. Dependence on God is saying, God, I know that you are big. I know that you are powerful. I know that you can do this. And I am going to journey with you. Like this image behind me of people with companionship, with closeness. I've spent this week, this last week, sailing. Confidence in the wind is one thing. I can know that the wind has the power to get my boat from one place to another. Dependence is putting the sail up. Dependence is saying, I want to catch some of that wind. Not just have it out there, but let it move me. Let it affect 
me. And Jesus promises that that too is possible. It may look like he is disappearing and leaving them behind as he goes to heaven, but no. He sends his spirit. He sends his Holy Spirit on those, these 11 disciples and the many more that were following him then. And then at Pentecost, he fills the, his whole church with his spirit. And he ignites this movement, which again is why billions and billions have come to follow him. He doesn't say, I'll be with you sometimes. He doesn't say, I'll be with you when you're in church. He doesn't say, I'll be with you when you open up your Bible and have a quiet time at home. He says, I will be with you always. Not until next Tuesday, but to the very end of the age. He offers that companionship. He offers that power. What kind of person do you need to be to do the things that are important to do, this thing that Jesus says is important to do? You need to be confident that he actually has the authority to send you and the power to achieve it, but you also need the dependence on him to do it with him rather than try and do it without him. So these disciples who are on this mountain you can see in this picture, we can just see them. This screen is big enough that you can just about make them out at the top of this mountain. Where would you place yourself at the minute on this mountain? Right at the mountain top, having experienced Jesus in powerful ways, being confident in him, knowing that you can depend on him for everything instead of just for a few bits and pieces. Maybe hidden behind that valley, or maybe like these people, just trying to walk up a little bit. For me, right here, right now, in this moment, I feel like I'm in a mountaintop place. I've not just been sailing, I've been sailing with a whole bunch of teenagers this week. I, I'm part of the leadership of a, of a young people's Christian sailing camp, and we have experienced Jesus in nature. We've experienced Jesus in some pretty powerful winds. I can't really grip anything at the moment because my hands have been pulling onto ropes that are far too heavy because the wind has been pretty strong. But we've had powerful times of encounter with Jesus in worship as people have opened up the Bible together. I've met with Jesus in real powerful ways this week and I'm riding that. But I know that I won't always be because I know that there are other times when it feels much more like I'm in a valley. They came to this mountain and they worshipped him but some doubted. Yeah, I've been there too and I know I will be again. But none of that means that I need to lose confidence in Jesus because his authority over heaven and earth is not just on the days when I can feel that. It is always. We sung it earlier on. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That is confidence. That is dependence on God. And because of that, we can then listen to that little bit in the middle. Confidence, yes. Dependence on God, yes. Obedience, therefore go. Because he is with us, because he is powerful, therefore we can go 
in his name to our neighbors, to our colleagues, to our friends, to our family members, to those close to us, to those maybe not so close to us, in this part of the world, in other parts of the world. We can go in his name seeking to make some disciples. Going confidently, not arrogantly. Arrogance is saying, actually, God, my confidence isn't placed in you, it's placed in me. That's arrogance. No, we want confidence. A confidence that says, God, this is all about you. Dependence, again, dependence on him, not on us. Not on some eloquence or skill or ability that you and I have, but dependence on him that as we go, he will fill us. And he will work through us because he's promised that he will. So will we? Will we go? Will we take the opportunity that these summer months give us to maybe go for some picnics and have some barbecues and spend time with people? If you're here thinking, what about me? Can I, can I follow this commission? I don't even know if I'm a follower of... I don't know if I am confident in him. I don't know if I can rely on him. This, this sounds, if it's true, this sounds very compelling, very, very important for my life. I want to say to you, yes, it is. It is very important for your life because we need to make that choice whether we will sit under that authority, whether we will depend upon him. If that's a choice that you need to make today, then make it. Decide it. And for all of us, if we have made that step, the question is, where will we therefore go? We can trust him. We can depend upon him. Therefore, let's go. I'm going to ask the band to come up again. And we're going to worship God together. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And then what I'm going to suggest is we've got these little, these little vials which have some oil, just ordinary oil. There's nothing special about the oil. But this is a symbol that's used in the Bible where just a little bit of this oil is placed on someone's forehead and it's, a, it's an anointing. And it's used to, to commission people for tasks that they have, used to commission people. And it's a, to, to, to come and be anointed with oil is to say, Lord, would you anoint me for the things that lie ahead of me? Would you, would you encourage me, give me that confidence? Would you enable me to depend on you so that I might obediently go? into whatever situations, into whatever opportunities that I might follow your leading and follow your commands, that I might, therefore, go. So I'm going to ask that some people from the prayer team and maybe a couple of elders, if you're around, would come forward and we'll just sort of scatter around the sides and maybe towards the front a little bit. And at any point during this time of worship, if you would like to come and simply be anointed... You're bringing your doubts, you're bringing your questions, you're bringing your worship, but you're saying, Lord, give me confidence. Instill that in me. Encourage me. Put courage into me. Come and do that. For you, it might be a step of saying, Lord, I've tried this in my own strength for far, far too long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to submit. I'm going to depend. I'm going to trust Michael, we can come and anoint you if you would like. You don't have to come to the front. If you would like someone to come to you, then just wave your hand or let someone know. I'm going to pray for us now, but can I invite you to stand?
Lord Jesus, thank you that my doubts don't disqualify me from your service. Thank you that it is in your name that I can have confidence. In your name that I can go. In your name that I can depend. And I'm going to pray a prayer of receiving that and accepting that. And if you today, for the first time, want to receive that, to sit under Jesus, to trust in him, then in your own heart, do follow along with this prayer. Lord God, thank you that you love me. Thank you for bringing me to this place here today where I'm able to respond to you. Sorry for the ways that I've trusted in myself or gone my own ways. And for the mistakes that I've made along the way. I ask that you would forgive me. And ask that you would fill me with your love, with your Holy Spirit. That I might follow you into all the things that you call me to. Amen.